Yeah. Yeah, man. I woke up with a bunch of shit on my mind I'm breaking the curses through the verses for a stick and design The time's wilder than they ever been Vibing in the salt like a terrapin Laughing to aspire through the heavy ones The beast roll up They got no chances on advancing when my piece roll up We keep it cooking like rotisserie The mystery on how to navigate through it all We're stepping smarter than we bothered with the breaks in the fall So whether burning hot for summer or be mad in the cold I call a robber MC so we can stroll down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Rob the MC Cole, let's hit the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Hey everybody, welcome back to another special episode of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast One of the premier XJW millennial podcasts Part of the new generation of XJW activists So I want to um, welcome in a person that I find very intriguing Extremely intellectual, her story is fascinating Welcome in everyone, Jasmine What's up, Jazz? What's going on? What's up, Lee? I'm great. How you feeling? I'm hanging in there like swimwear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> man, um, it's so awesome being a part of that group text that we're part of. There's so many intriguing conversations for people who don't know. Um, we have this really dope group text with, of people who used to go to the hall and XJ dubs, so to speak. And we just have so many interesting random conversations. Um, and um, Jasmine is just consistently intriguing. Her point of view, her, 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 her thought process is so fascinating. So I just wanted to have her on the podcast because we have to have more women's voices as well. Um, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's important, especially black women's voices. So I wanted to bring Absolutely. Jasmine on. So. Let's talk. Let's hop into it really quickly. Um, kind of give okay. us your J Dub origin story, and then we'll hop into the Black Woman's Experience in the Jehovah's Witness organization. Yeah, right. yeah. So, so what's your origin yes. story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, we have a great time in that group chat. Gives me life every single day. Um, but my origin story. So, I would say I was a fourth generation uh, Jehovah's Witness. So. Um, great grandmothers, uh, grandparents, uh, parents, and then um, my sister and I. So uh, I feel like we, you know, we grew up as the average Jehovah's Witness uh, kids. I would say the equivalent of you know PKs now. You know, preacher kids. We were uh, the children of an elder. So mm-hmm. oh, really? Uh yes. Oof. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I feel like my dad was an elder for as, as long as I can uh, remember, but. Um, both my parents actually were born and raised in New York, so they grew up very close to Bethel. Oh, wow. Uh, we would, yes, yes, yes. So spending our summers in New York, actually, with our grandparents and their congregation actually had quite a few Bethelites. So I, I remember a lot of summers uh, going and, you know, eating lunch with the Bethelites and, you know, hanging out, uh, even going to, you know, a couple of rooms sometimes, obviously, you know, with parents and supervision but you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we grew up very very close um i would say we had a rich spiritual heritage if that's what uh, people want to call it mm-hmm. so i i, I guess I, I can remember oh my goodness bible studies or the book study at the time you know goody night you remember goody night oh yeah <laughs> i can't believe y'all called it goody night too y'all called it goody night yeah 
<laughs> what? I thought yes. that was just in my area. Wow. No, I honestly, I think that was a black thing. <laughs> Goody night. We definitely caught it. It was Wednesday. And I think we went. No, ours was yeah. Wednesday. Wednesdays, I think. Yes, ours was uh, Wednesdays and eventually Thursdays, you know, at some point. But yeah, having a book study in our home. Uh, we were never late for the meeting. Uh, my goodness, we were always some of the first people at the hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, you know, even having a book study, my dad conducted it, of course. So we never got to sleep in on Saturdays. I, I remember, oh my goodness. I, <laughs> sometimes I would just want to be sick. Yes. <laughs> sick and tired. Yes, because you got to get up, you got to set up the chairs, and it's thing for, you know, the book study. You got to get home after school, hardly finish your homework, make sure the house is clean, put the chairs out. Like, you knew you had to go to the meeting at least two days a week. <laughs> so you're talking about the good yes. old days back when we had, okay, so for us it was Tuesday, it was Tuesday, okay, so Tuesday was the, um, Tuesday was the, oh, hold up, okay, I'm trying to remember back in the, the early 2000s, Jesus. Ooh, Tuesday, ooh. Tuesday was the meeting, Thursday was mm-hmm. the Bible study, Oh, I mean the you yep. know in home meet or Wednesday book, when, depending on book study, book study depending on where, depending on who you were mm-hmm. you know what congregation you were at, at I was at the time so Tuesday Thursday and then Sunday so was it that, like that for you too was it Tuesday Thursday Sunday yes Tuesday Thursday Sunday and you know some I I I will say this I grew up um and probably people are like what congregation you go to I I think I was in like six different congregations in my entire uh, JW career life. But growing up, it was about two or three. And, you know, one was Monday and Wednesday, and then the other was Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, the dreaded nine o'clock meeting. Or Oof. once, let me tell you, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't win as kids growing up. We was you know, always late. Was, <laughs> my dad was always late on the, on the, on the, on the, on the Sunday nine o'clock jump. I need to be, I need to grow up in your household because man, we were always on time, um, you know, early for service Saturday, early for service Sunday. And then one hall we were in had four congregations. So there was a six o'clock meeting at one point and it was like, which is the lesser of the two evils early nine o'clock or late six six o'clock. Bullshit. Excuse my language, but bullshit. Because you, let's say, I don't know, you know, if you want to watch TV shit, cause Sunday back in the, in the 2000, early 2000s, when TV before streaming was really a thing, you had a lot Mm -hmm. of cool shows that came on Sunday evening. Of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're watching those getting ready to school next day. But yeah. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, uh, that was pretty much life, you know, the average, um, you know, you go to school, uh, can't have any, um, you know, not witness, non-witness friends, um, no extracurricular activities. And I will say, uh, my sister and I were a little bit lucky in that sense because, um, my mom was actually not raised as a witness. She, mm-hmm. her family was, um, but she was not raised mm-hmm. as one. So she came into the, and I have the air quotes going, came into the truth, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Uh, and decided to get that house when she was 18. So I think her mindset was a little different with something. So she was actually a little bit more uh, lenient with after-school activities than um, your average witness parent. So uh, my sister and I, we were in dance. Uh, we did, took dance classes. We did. I remember doing yearbook oh, and a couple nice. other like after-school clubs. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, we lived that average, um, you know, average life. And I and I think you know, growing up as a witness in school is very, um, it's, it's a really tough thing for kids. I think because you're, you're growing up with a notion of, you know, Armageddon always hung, hung over our heads, mm-hmm. you know, as just as witnesses in general. And so you're going to school and you're seeing kids and you're literally looking at, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, even younger kids and saying, you know, 
they're not going to make it in Armageddon, you know? And that's, to me, was always a tough little twisted mindset that I had as a kid that I honestly sometimes still struggle with. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that, that was, that was life. And then, um, my sister and I, honestly, as, uh, we grew up, we went through honestly dealing with our parents, uh, separation and divorce as mm-hmm. teenagers. And that was a big, um, interesting transition in our life because, you know, that just doesn't happen. Or at the time, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a big deal. That doesn't happen, can't happen. And so, um, I actually kind of decided to pioneer, mm-hmm. be regular pioneer a year after that. So that, that was kind of like all I lived for. I did learn language for a little bit. And then I wanted to go to, um, what foreign language, what, what language did you do? I, I did Spanish. Okay, got you. Cool. I, did, I did Spanish. So you was, you was all, at all the Spanish parties, the bachata parties, huh? Of course, of course. Bachata, salsa, merengue, all of it. So, so let's see if we connect the dots because I went to a lot of bachata, merengue parties as well. And what part of, what state did you grow up in? Uh, so I grew up in the Raleigh area, North Carolina. Okay. So did you ever come up to the parties that were in Virginia or D.C. or Delaware? No, no. The, oh God! By the time I made it up to Delaware, it was it was probably too late. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm gonna say I went to one DC party. Mm-hmm. Did you know Roxy and her sister? Sorry, a girl named Roxy and her sister. I think Miriam. I think. Why does Miriam sound familiar? Roxy. Yeah. Sound- Roxy was a that- really beautiful. She was like gorgeous El Salvadorian sister gorgeous oh El Salvadorian and her brother was a very attractive guy he went to Bethel up in New York he was a very attractive dude as well he was basically he looked like you would put him on a watchtower he was absolutely gorgeous dude and this is you wow. know from, yeah and from a very straight dude <laughs> so um he was, he was <laughs> a, ha- a big compliment there <laughs> he was a handsome dude very handsome um forgot his name but Roxy and her sister she had a sister two brothers and they were in El Salvador and they were in DC. And if you, and every, all the brothers, I, I assure you all the brothers in DC area knew her, but she was like a, she was like a dime, whether she was in the truth or not. Oh my goodness. She was a super hey, dime. girl had it going on. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows what happened to her by then? I think she got married uh, by the time I left, but anyway, um, interesting. So you, so you went to the foreign language, you all over the place, grew up in North Carolina. Um, Kind of mm-hmm. walk us through the culture in North Carolina versus the culture. Because um, uh, did you ever did you visit the North much? Because you said your family originated from New York. Did you visit New York often? Um, yeah, New York was often probably until our teen years. Um, because I think when we started high school, we stopped going up there. Uh, it was just an opportunity for us at a younger age, you know, to really spend time with our grandparents or our cousins. Um, and then when we, like I said, hit the high school age, you know, we started driving and in high school you were you were driving as a witness mm-hmm. oh you had mm-hmm. you came up you yeah. in the middle class okay middle class yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think my uh junior year was like when our parents gave us the car but i think i started kind of Damn. driving in that sophomore year um Whoa. oh and my mom couldn't wait for us to get my license she's like i can't wait so y'all could drive me around so <laughs> wow what was your first car uh, my first car was a 2001 Chevy Malibu. I oh, you was living large. Six thousand dollars for that thing, and let me tell you what I wish I could have that car right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no car painted, but you was doing um, your thing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so you was doing street work yeah. too, huh? You was one of them street work people. You get out early in the morning, get knock out a couple of hours before you go out and do the regular door to door, huh? Bro, street work. Ugh. I I wanted to be such a good witness, and I did street work, and I reached out, but it wore me out. Okay, I, I, I got to figure out something else. I used to like make up return visits just mm-hmm. so I could 
<laughs> I know those those ghost return visits, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's like oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna return yeah, to Wendy's. I'm gonna return here. to Wendy's and get this full for full. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> or you know, the young kids started working together in service. I remember oh, we yes. would go to um. Oh yes. Around that time, we were going to Durham, mm-hmm. and it, oh my gosh, I could tell you Wednesdays. Wednesdays mm-hmm. was like that big day. There was one congregation in Durham. Um, they would do witnessing all the way from nine in the morning to six or seven at night. Holy and, you know, heck. as you're getting yes, but you know, I'm not even gonna lie to you. It was like we were going to service, but it was almost like a big party because everyone from you know, like I said, the Raleigh area and the Durham area was going to this one hall. And so I, I kid you not, at some point there would be like forty people, fifty people out in service, and like sixty percent of the people were young ones. That's the best you way. Know, so you, I love. I used yeah. to love going out and serving with people my age. It was fun. It was way more fun than getting that, that 50, 60-year-old disgruntled person who kind of off a little bit. You don't know what, and you, you try to have a conversation with them in field service. I'm like, yeah, but in the day is tomorrow. I'm like, okay. You, yeah. How do All I right, stop with you as my field service partner? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but it was great. We got to we got to meet a whole lot of people, really expanded our friend base. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just absolutely amazing. And it, it means to fun, you know, at the time. Because, I mean, honestly, who as a teenager wants to go knock on strangers doors and talk about, you know, the good news of the keynote, like oh, yeah. it, masturbation. Is it bad? You know? Yeah. yeah. And then I would skip over the watchtower because certain articles was like, I'm not even trying to have this conversation. Oh, I was, awake. I was an awake heavy guy. I was a, a heavy on the wake. Yeah. Heavy on the wake. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, it was so much I, easier to memorize. <laughs> oh, I acted as. Isn't it funny too? When the culture does this, you feel bad not having. Remember back in the day when we did service, we would always have the Watchtower Andy Wake, and you would feel <laughs> yeah. bad if you only gave them yeah. one. Did you feel like that too? Like you were doing something wrong by not handing both? No, I actually handed them both. I felt bad because if I didn't know both presentations, so I would learn the presentation for both the Watchtower and the Awake. Like so, I so you never, when I was a. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say so. You I never gave like, him one. You never gave him just a wake or just a watch tire before. Uh, I don't feel like it was until honestly more recently. Okay. Uh, I I was trying to get my placement, Joe. I, I was trying to get my placement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the little time sheet, whatever. How many you know watch towers yep. are waking oh, yeah. place? Yeah, yeah, I was trying to have as many as possible. Mm-hmm. I w- I was that kid that like in school I was on principal's list. Um, you know, I just was always kind of like overzealous. I wanted to just do the best that I could be at like everything. And that kind of carried over, or I think witness life kind of carried over into school. Cause I, I was trying to just always do the best, do the most, mm-hmm. um, like overachiever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, as much time as I could, um, you know, as many watchtowers, as many tracks, you remember we used to do tracks. Oh you yeah. Know, I was always trying to track. Me the track master. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I was definitely going for two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move a little forward. So now that we, we talked about you getting in high school, finished. So tell the, the pivotal time for some many millennial Jehovah's Witnesses is that post-high school experience. Did you go to college? Did you get a certification? Did you just work at the mall? What was your post-high school career path? What, was your, what happened post-high school? Yeah, um, so actually in high school, I was on a uh, path for nursing. So I wanted to do nursing. So when I got out of high school, I had applied to a uh, community college, to Wake Tech Community College, to get my nursing uh, degree. So at the time, they had like this super long wait list. So I only got a couple college credits done. And in the meantime, what I ended up doing was working at a small credit union um, where I grew up at. Mm-hmm. And by that time, it, it just had gotten so long. I, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I ended up uh, getting a job at DBNT Bank in Raleigh at one of their locations. Mm-hmm. And 
I just kind of got stuck. I, I had gotten stuck. Um, I had also started dating not too long after. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I did pioneer school. Then I started dating. I got married. So how old? How old were you? A, don't don't glaze, gla- glaze over there. How old were you when you got married? <laughs> Twenty one. Okay. Now I'm gonna tell you guys. If you, if you know Jasmine, she is a beautiful human being. She is a cutie. Oh, if thanks. I saw her, um, you know, if I saw her in field service. I would try to go smack. She is a cutie <laughs> patootie, so to speak. Um, Wipe her up. <laughs> yeah, all the brothers be trying to, you know, uh, make sure she get the good front row seats at the Kingdom Hall when she come and visit. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, you got married at 20, you said 21? 21, I started dating when I was, honestly, I started dating um, at 16. So I dated one brother for like two and a half years. That didn't work out. And then I met my ex-husband at 19. And so we were dating from 19 and then I was uh, 21 when I got married. Right, so honestly, in the age of Jehovah's Witnesses, that's actually fairly long because most people are like a year or less, you know, married. So I feel like I did pretty good. <laughs> so let's break this down really quickly. Um I'm getting visions of growing up as a, my preteen and late teen years. I can smell the <laughs> polyester. Um, so, Lord. <laughs> so tell me about how you met your ex-husband, Jasmine, and then the because witness culture, dating culture is very interesting with the having a mm-hmm. chaperone and and mm-hmm. just the whole thing. And, and in a lot of ways, that's the only way you truly can have and enjoy your life. Because being a, a preteen and in the early twenties, witness is kind of boring. It's really not much unless yeah. you're going to Bethel, being a pioneer, or going with Anita's great. It's not much for the regular everyday ten-hour witness. So talk about the culture of dating, the politics of that. I'm curious about how you met your ex-husband and the politics yeah. behind that. Yeah. So, um, so my ex-husband and I met uh, actually through some mutual friends at the time at um, one of the conventions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and it was, I mean, gosh, it's called regional now, but whatever it was back then, you know, it's like our, it was the summer one, the big one, excuse me, in the summer. So we met through some mutual friends there and just, we started talking a little bit. We exchanged numbers. Mm-hmm. So it, it was weird. Um, I don't know if you guys did this where you were at, but, you know, you have friends in different districts. So you all kind of go to each other's conventions like the week before yes. and after. Yes. Okay. So essentially, that's what it was. I was at, you know, his convention visiting with some friends. And then uh, we exchanged numbers and we were talking for, I promise you, we met on like a Saturday. And by that Monday or Tuesday, I was like, okay, so what are we doing? Are we dating or what? And you well know, you know, a lot of people might not, but witness culture, like you said, is very different when it comes to dating. So it is established very quickly whether or not you're dating if you're talking to the same person like every day, like the the articles tell us, you know. So very quickly it was established that, okay, we're dating. And so by the time the next weekend rolled around when it was my convention, we were already like sitting together, um, mm. going out to dinner with all the friends. There was like um, a salsa party that night. So we went to that together with some of the friends. So, you know, that's, that's, but that's normal for witness culture. It's very normal to very quickly like settle in on someone. And generally, honestly, people marry the first person they date. It's right. crazy, but. So, so let's break this down too again. Um, Cause some of them are audience is non-witnesses. Some of them are now yeah, when, yeah. You, when you first went to dinner together, sitting next to each other. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big is a witness. Uh, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. All right. okay. so how was that how was that sitting next to each other as young people and the religion is very conservative and very um just old school was it nerve-wracking because people like people like no, okay. it, it, it wasn't really nerve-wracking because we were out with so many people it was more so like oh oh y'all dating now oh oh that, that's, you, know, you got that 
Ah, uh, yeah. Did y'all kiss? Yeah. No, not not ah. until like later on down the road. Interesting. Because down the road. Because dating as a witness is is scary sometimes. Like the stuff, the all the rules and different things that can pop up. So did so you didn't when you first started dating. How long did it take for you guys to do your first kiss? How long did it take for us to what? I didn't hear. How long did it take you to do your first kiss? Um, it might have been like two months, month or two in. It wasn't like it wasn't long. It wasn't long. It wasn't more than two in. Okay, because get this, my story's a little different. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. Mm-hmm. We actually were dating for about uh, three months. So my ex-husband is actually um, a, a white guy. And, oh, what? You dated uh, a white guy? Yes. Hold up. Stop, 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 stop. We're going to break this down. Hold No, I love, uh, We love all races. I, I know that. Hold up. Time out. Yeah. We're going to work through this. Hold up. We're going we gonna to work through this. You know, my sister, like, I'm not letting this slide No, no. All. Okay. Because I talked, I've had, you know, <laughs> because the white, the white witness culture and the black witness culture are totally different. Night and day. Absolutely, Much like absolutely. the white Seventh-day Adventist culture and the black Seventh-day Adventist. I've had um, a couple person, a, folk, a couple folk on who are former Seventh-day Adventists and, and they've talked about that. So was he more of like a Justin Timberlake white dude? Was he more like a Jeff Foxworthy white dude? Or was he more like a, uh, like a, like a, like, <laughs> um, like a Dawson's Creek white dude, whatever his name is. I don't know. Uh, definitely Justin Timberlake. Definitely the, they, this, he, all of his friends are like, or 99% of his friends were black. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, definitely the Justin Timberlake type. Tell so, me, okay. So in the uh, South, in the South, in a very conservative religion where you don't, see, in, honestly, as a witness, you don't see a lot of interracial couples. You see some, but all in all, I probably feel like it's not a huge amount of interracial dating overall. Really? You don't think so? I feel like no. I saw it quite often in and, my area. Well, and maybe this is a location thing. Yeah, because in the black area, I'm going to tell you, I, I've lived in the suburbs and I've lived in the, in the urban area. In the black congregation, literally, probably in the inner cities, probably 0%. Like, I would say less than 10% interracial, mm-hmm. da- interracial dating. Oh, yeah. Then see. you go to the burbs where I lived as well. And overall, uh-huh. whites stick with whites and blacks stick with blacks. And, and then you see some interracial. You see some, but it's not a big thing. It is like a big, like it was, it's like a, oh, okay. Uh, interesting no i will i will tell you in this in the north carolina area it's very very common and, it, and like in fact in the congregation that he was in um you know there were several couples there were several couples in in my congregations like that i had grown up in. so on a convention level as well you saw a lot of interracial oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah um you and it's actually like you saw an even amount of like black sisters with white brothers and white brothers with like i mean or you know black brothers with white sisters you saw a fairly even really? amount so yeah, and oh, honestly, in my no. family, it's a lot of my family. So, like, I never really that that was never really a shock to me or anything um, different to me. And I, and I will be very honest, and I know we're you know maybe we'll get into it later, but I will say because I grew up also in a predominantly white um, city and, and county. Like, I, the county I grew up in was like in North Carolina. Used to have a sign that said um, "Home of the KKK." Okay. So <clears throat> this is the kind of area that my sister and I grew up in. So I, you know, my, the the brother, quote unquote, that I dated before my ex husband, he was black, but I ended up marrying, you know, someone white. And for some reason, that's just kind of what at the time my preference tended toward. Um, and I have reasons for that, you know, later. But I'm just saying. So it wasn't really a shock or anything different to me. However, that was a no go for his parents. So they were, they were, they were witnesses. In, yes, yes, and that was. 
oh, that was probably the toughest part. All um, right, break it down. I, let's go down and so, down. We're going to go. Um, so I, I experienced prejudice, obviously. I mean, I'm sure you had to growing up just from the outside world period. Yeah, just being but black, within yeah. the organization. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, right? Such is life. <laughs> but growing up within the organization, you know, the, the witnesses pride themselves on being a you know, international brotherhood. You know, no no color, no racism, any of that stuff. But let me tell you, we experienced some things and three months into dating, his parents made him break up with me. Um because what? I was black. Yes. Whoa! Yes, will, tell, tell, tell me, yes. tell me how the discussion went. What was their reasoning? They're witnesses. They're supposed to be God's people. They're supposed to be a, a multicultural um, organization of, of of all of God's brothers and sisters. So, how, break, open it up. Let's go down deeper now. They're really, they're. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going even further down, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there really wasn't any reasoning. There was a a caller text me from him saying that you know. Uh, my parents aren't really going to, you know, let me see you anymore. We can't date. And that was, that was pretty much it. And so, um, what was their reason? I, they, they had, they had not, it was just, it was more of an image thing, you know, well, you know, the family, you know, sees that you're, you know, dating someone, you know, uh, there were more comments made, you know, if you, if you marry someone like that, you know, your kids are going to have a tough time growing up. Um, and these are witnesses, you know, Yes, exactly. Or, you know, what if your boss sees a picture of your, you know, your black wife? Um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, because he would say, well, racism you know, doesn't really exist like that anymore. And the response to him would be, oh, well, you know, some people do think that way. Or what will the family think? Um, his mom was very big on image. Uh, what would people think? What, what did he do for say? work? I'm just curious. Because a lot of these white witnesses, um, they'd be having some phantom jobs I never heard of. That'd be, well, the, brothers what? Be washing, <laughs> the brothers be washing windows and cutting lawns, and they'd be like, oh, no, the IT honey. desk. <laughs> um, his dad had a really, really good job um, with, with the state of the county, and then um, his mom didn't work, or she kind of did something part-time. He was a real estate agent, so at the company that he worked for, his mom kind of worked there part-time. And, um, but, so they were well off financially. Um, and I think a little bit part of it was that they kind of thought that I was with him for his money. And it was crazy because I actually did very well for myself employment wise. So mm-hmm. that was not even a thought. So it was a little bit of the, the color and, and all the comments that I would get. Nothing was ever said to me directly. It was always told to him and then repeated to me. But you said there's a lot of interracial cable, cables in, in North Carolina. It's a, it's a standard yes. thing. It happens everywhere. You said it's but interracial paradise. What's yes. going on? Yeah, it, it was very mind blowing to me. I don't think I've ever tried so hard from like, you know, everybody goes through breakups, but that was the toughest one for me because I felt like, wow, this is Jehovah's organization. His dad is an elder. He's a ministerial servant. Um, you know, they're witnesses. Like, this doesn't happen. Like, it was just, I never experienced that. It, it really broke me. I'll be very honest. Really? It really, really broke me. Yeah, it was. Um, and my mom wasn't having any of it. I know one time she was ready to drive up to their house. Like my mom doesn't play about her babies, so <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was tough for people not to even want to get to know you um, because of the color of your skin. And I, I remember before we broke up, we went to um, the assembly together one time and went to dinner with his parents. And it was just she was just so cold. His his mom was just it was almost like they just tolerated. What me. it was? You it, feel it? it? Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, it was it was really tough. But they're, because, but they're just this know. is Jehovah's people, though. You're supposed to have all the people in the magazine, all these interracial things. It's supposed to be this, you know, United Brotherhood. So, baby, baby, I I was just as shook as you are. <laughs> so this is my question. I'm gonna like, ask you another question too. I hate to to, to be too proud mm-hmm. too deep because it's a black brother, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> we would all, I would get a little frustrated when I saw sisters especially black sisters, they would always be the more attractive black sisters that would go with the white dudes. And there's, there's this... I feel partially attacked right now. <laughs> I'm not saying you. I had nothing to do with you. No, I, I'm just I don't know you personally. But uh, I would have situations where you'd be like, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, overall, the cool brothers would get all the fine sisters, like the smooth brothers. You know, the white, the brothers are basically on the edge anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of times you see the most fine sisters, like the most finest ones, and the most, you know, laid back, chill ones would be like, with a white dude, I'm, and you'd be like, "What? He's the most corniest." Nothing about, and, and not trying to be a right, make it a black or white thing, but it would be like, "Whoa!" Yeah. So, what is that in the witness community? I see that a lot. I see a lot of sisters, especially sisters of color, and and you see some brothers too. But I'm just talking about fine women. I don't know about dudes, but um, yeah. be with white brothers. Tell me about that that experience. Do y'all talk about that as black sisters? Is that a thing? Like, oh, you know, I like this white brother. Is that a big thing in 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 the black no, sister community? It, it, I'll be very honest. From what I remember, it, it wasn't a big thing. I, I, I just feel like I could speak maybe for like, you know, my sister and I, but it wasn't a big thing. I, it was just more so for me, meaning I think that's just so common here. I don't know why or how, but like we don't blink an eye at interracial relationships. Well, we didn't in this, in this circuit or district. It was just normal. It was just, it just happened. So th- those conversations, honestly, I never had them because, you know, my close friends at the time, you know, the brothers that they were married were black. And these were black sisters, beautiful, beautiful black sisters. Um, but And the brothers that they married were black. So I think it was just uh, kind of who you meet, who you like, who you fall for, you know, and so on and so forth. But I'm just saying it is common. But yet um, the parents were still racist, though. Yeah, that Which was that was very tough for me. Because like I said, you know, my, my cousin was a ministerial servant. His dad was an elder. So to me, that was just a mind-boggling to me. That just blew my mind. So yeah, three months in, they made him break up with me. And then maybe like a week or so later, he reached back out to me. He's like, I don't want to stop dating you. So we ended up dating in secret. So what? it is crazy because... What? 1960s yes. Jim Crow bullshit? Go ahead. Yes. And, and, it, and it's crazy because I didn't... It didn't... Dad didn't um, ring a bell. To, it, it, it wasn't weird to me. It was just... I think the thing that sucked about it, the situation the most was just his parents but the fact of like dating me in secret never hit me until years later um like worth wise um or self-esteem wise that never hit me until years later but yeah i i i really wanted to date him he came from a good background like me you know good spiritual you know because i feel like witnesses don't teach you what to truly look for when looking for me everything is you know are they spiritual is he a pioneer or elder ministerial servant can he you know family study is he going in service da 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 no one talks about the like really providing for, you know, a, a family or a woman or a man emotionally or um, their nah, family, all these true. things, you know, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion, but I don't think they properly prepare you for what to look for in a potential partner. So for me, it was like, Oh, this brother's nice looking. He has a good job so he can like, you know, take care of us financially, even though I had a good one too. And he's a ministerial servant. That literally was it. So mm-hmm. anyway, we continued dating. Like I said, all of our friends knew, all of my family knew, and my congregation knew, all of his congregation knew. I kid you not, except for his parents. It was so bad that when we got engaged, we had our wedding showers or whatever. 
every the congregation threw us a wedding shower. Everyone was there but his parents because hold they up. did not know. Hold up, Wait, and did, <laughs> hold up. did his parents have positions in the congregation? His parents in his congregation. Were the, yeah, they did not know that so all the congregation. Oh, no, 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 that I'm we saying, did his parents was his dad an elder? Was his mother like a pioneer? Were there? Um, I I don't think she was a pioneer. I don't think she was a pioneer. And her dad, but his, they were they were they had you know you could say they had status like his dad was you know uh, why he conducted a watchtower. Da, 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 so he's the elder. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it was just a crazy situation, and then um you know we got engaged. Um. We, you know, we got married. Uh, and it was kind of funny. I really knew that this is the moment that I knew, okay, this really is about race. Like I always suspected and knew, but I know it is now. Um, when we got married at the rehearsal at the Kingdom Hall, his um, uncle comes up to me. He's like, they, they did not know that my ex-husband was dating anyone until they got a wedding invitation in the mail, is what he told me. Mm-hmm. And he said, we wondered why, you know, she never said anything, his mom never said anything to them. I'm trying hard not to use names right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like, I wonder why she never said anything to us. Then I saw the name on the invitation and it made perfect sense. I was like, oh, huh, okay. Because I had, like, I do not have a Ashley or Elizabeth or, you know, I, I have a pretty, like, distinct <laughs> name. But when he saw me, he told me this. But, um, it was a different vibe from them. They did not treat me at all like his, his mom did. And it was mostly from his mom, I will say this. The 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 feeling and the treatment was mostly from, you know, her, him and his dad just really didn't handle the situation. But um, that actually caused a little bit of discord down the road at our marriage. Um, because it, there, like I said, there was always things that were said to him. And then he would come back and repeat me. So I'm like, okay, as your wife, like, what'd you say? You had my back, you know, what? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you just know how, you know, my mom is. And, um, but, okay. This is my question to you uh, then. Knowing that she had, I get love and all that stuff, but knowing that his parents ain't really bang with you like that. That didn't be like, well, F them too. And just say F them and just deal with something that's less stressful. What, why that didn't, that never came into your mind. No, it, it never, because mm. I, I really thought this is Jehovah's organization. Like, you know, their hearts will soften or they'll get to know me or it'll change. Or I think sometimes I just thought it wasn't real. And I loved him. I, I love my cousin, you know? So I, I, that was just, it was one of the things like, you know, I don't think it's that bad. I think it might change. No, it was that bad. <laughs> mm. How long did you guys stay married? Um, so I, we were married for about five years. But Damn, we separated uh, a couple times. Uh, no, <laughs> we separated um, probably about two or three times throughout our marriage. And so, um, yeah, it, I would I would say like five years on paper. It was it was a lot. It was a lot that we went through, and that's why I said I don't feel like um, Jehovah's Organization, as they like to call it, really truly prepares people um, for marriage. And because we didn't really court. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we really did because we didn't get to spend time with each other's both families. A lot of stuff was our friends hanging out with our friends and chaperoning. We didn't get to ask the questions. And I just, you know, in hindsight, we should have never gotten married. We might've been good friends, but we should have never gotten married. Mm, we just, that's real. Well, yeah, so no kids think, or nothing, huh? No, okay. no. And that, you know, I love kids. I want them one day, but I want it with the right person. And I'm actually thankful that we never had them. We did want them. But I think by year three or so, it was just like, we got to get ourselves together. We went through a lot of financial difficulties. Um, you know, there were 
you know, infidelities. It, it just, you know, so I, you know, reproof. Um, it, so it was just so much. I <laughs> no way I was bringing kids into that. Wow. Um, okay. Yes. Well, let's fast forward to the future then. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you start this, you know, the marriage thing. Let's talk about your progress on leaving. Um, how you left. Give us the yeah. the the moment up to leaving. What started the the seed of, of of wanting to leave, and then walk us through you leaving the the organization. Um, so I was actually in active for several years, and I started to go back to a hall um, in another town in North Carolina. So I was doing really good. I started you know, I was really regular at the meetings when I decided to go back. Um, and it's crazy because I was. In active, there was um, someone who came through my job and left. Uh, I saw that they had um, some literature or something with the hall, and I was like, you know what? I think this is a sign because my life wasn't going like the best. So you know, you know, people out there that are witnesses, they know they always say, "Oh, Satan's world's going to chew you up and spit you out," right? Yeah. And that's how they get you to kind of like come back to the hall, and so that was kind of like the situation I was in like, wow, I'm out here in the quote unquote world. My life isn't going so great. I probably should go back to the hall. So anyway, I did. Um, and I was doing really good. I was regular at the meetings, regular in service, developing friendships with people. Um, I went back to the hall when I did, they put me on private reproof. So I really couldn't do too much. So when I got off of it, I really wanted to like reach out a lot, but I'll never forget there was one time I wanted to do like auxiliary pioneering and even something with like the building of the kingdom hall. So I get the applications and you know, they asking questions on there about like when and if you've been to fellowship or on reproof and for how long. And that really just like, I don't know, it messed with me mm-hmm. because it was one of those things where I felt like, okay, so we teach and we say that the Bible says that, you know, Jehovah wipes your sins, you know, as wide as snow or whatever, but you guys are asking questions about my, you know, basically spiritual disciplinary history. So like, I, I feel like it was always something hanging over my head and I could never really like move forward. Um, I felt like I was still being punished for stuff that I had been forgiven for. Like, why are you asking these questions on me? Like, I want to reach out. Mm-hmm. And for women, there's but so much that you can do in that organization. You know what I'm saying? Like, the brothers can do anything they want, but for sisters, it's like, it's basically service, serving when the need is great, vessels, or like helping, you know, maybe build a team hall of clean stuff. Like it's, it's not a lot that we can do. So that really just kind of messed up my mind. I always had a problem with feeling like I wasn't spiritual enough. Like I didn't fit in with the elders' wives or the mm-hmm. ministerial service the ham- wives. The hamster wheel spirituality. Yep. Yes. Yes. Or, you know, um, I'm not a pioneer or whatever. So, I think mentally I had started to kind of like check out a little and then I actually got back into dancing too. So I got back into um, Latin dance and the African dance community. So I was taking classes. So now I'm like around more worldly people, you know? Mm So, um, but yeah, ultimately I ended up like meeting different people and just, you know, kind of had like the, a little bit of the double life. I want to say double life, but I just started developing friendships with so-called worldly people. And then, um, kind of a relationship with this guy and ultimately, um, you know, doing what grown people do, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I had kind of stopped doing that, honestly. And, um, one day circuit overseer came, he gave us talk about Armageddon, great tribulation, whole thing. Do you really want to not have confessed all your sins to Jesus and just like, you know, losing your life or whatever. And, um, I was like, Oh, I guess I should like say something. Like, even though I'm not doing anything right now, I did do something. 
So it's like your conscience, my conscience got the best of me. And of so course. ultimately, you know how they just beat you down on that. Mm-hmm. They beat the <laughs> hell out of you. The hell out of me. Because I was like, listen, I've already taken this out with Jehovah. I'm not doing anything anymore. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I have not, you know, no, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my conscience got the best of me. And um, I went and I told the brothers. And the crazy thing is, I did not think that, I thought that I was going to get like, public reproof, maybe, because I had been an active, they had put me on private, um, I was doing really, really well, then I was even, um, I had just got back on the school giving talks, so I thought it was going to be private, nope, um, they met with me, and let me just say, um, a meeting with a judicial committee as a woman is probably one of the most traumatic things that a woman can go through, mm. um, and I don't think people understand that, that might be, have to be a segment for another day, but yeah. Um, how, but how yeah. deep did they go into questioning? Did they get very graphic? Yes, it's very graphic. They're asking you the details of uh, what you did, who you did it with, what ki- what if it is something with sex or, or as they call it immorality. They're asking what kind of sex, how many times. Um, it's it's very it's very. Um, Do you think they vicariously lived through you? Like, oh yeah, and like popcorn. They're like, yeah, okay, well. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I have that feeling. Sometimes some do. No, I'm not gonna lie. I think some some of them do. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say all of them. I, I would ne- not dare say that because I think there's some genuine people for sure. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's some perverted um, people in leadership in this or- uh, this organization. Oh, that's or without a question. And yeah, yeah and um, yeah, and I think for women, it's very hard to sit at a table in front of three men, three men asking you about your sexual. Yeah, you know. They're like, did you have any wet ass? They're like, do you guys, did they, did they ask you, like, did you have any WAP? <laughs> like, sister, no. did, you, uh, <laughs> did you do a handstand? Was WAP even a thing? Was you on the handstand on the, on the, on the, on the man stand? <laughs> no, I can like, understand. How, was it? how many times did you use? Oh, yeah. Jesus so anyway, Christ, like, how intimidating, yeah. Oh, extremely, extremely. And it's, it's, it's humiliating. It's humiliating Ugh. and it's, it's just nerve wracking. Um, weird. You know, I, my own father, I've never even, like, talk to you about this stuff so like Oof, I'm telling you you know strangers. what I'm saying That's, yeah so yeah Ugh. anyway they came back with a decision for um disfellowshipping mm-hmm. and um I didn't have any reaction honestly I was just um at the time I was taking my niece with me so I think I told them I was more concerned I just want to make sure that she was taken care of but um yeah I was I didn't expect that so I, I think it was a huge shock to me and I I was driving home and I called my mom See, my mom cried and she was more upset than I was. And I was like, listen, this is what Jehovah, you know, sees is best for me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought at the time. I was like, this is what clearly Holy Spirit has directed them to, you know, pass down on me. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Um, so that happened. Okay. Uh, and then um, walk us through your life. When you're fully, fully out, not just PMO, not just physically and mentally out, you're fully out. Yeah. The day that you really said, oh, I am lifted of this, um, uh, this infirmment. I'm lifted of this, of this drag of a life that have been, has been dragging oh. me down emotionally for years. Tell me that first day, what it felt like, what did you do? Um, that first day probably was um, visiting two friends who had actually been inactive themselves, and I didn't know it. They left mm-hmm. um, due to doctrine. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was like, hey, look up uh, John chapter uh, 8, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 11. 
I was like, okay. So I tried to look it up on my phone. You know, like the JW Bible app on your phone. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't see it. I thought something was wrong with my phone. Mm-hmm. So he told me to look in the, what you know, they call the silver sword, the new Bible, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I looked it up in there and I didn't see it. I was like, okay, the scripture is missing. So I looked it up in the King James Version and I found it there. And when I read that scripture, um, that was kind of like the start of it for me because it was a scripture. Basically, the Pharisees um, were accused the woman of adultery. And Jesus was like, okay, so... Um, basically, whoever of you hasn't sinned, like, stone her. And nobody stepped up. You know, they all left. And so to me, that was like that first little, like, inkling, like, yo, this scripture, like, can basically pull the rug out of that whole, like, judicial committee crap. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. no one is without sin. Like, we're sitting here judging other people and passing on judgment that literally affects their entire life, you know, that uproots their entire reality. Mm-hmm. When you make that announcement that someone is no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. So, with this scripture, like, I don't remember ever going over this. So that started it. And then I read a couple pages. Um, they showed me Crisis of Conscience. So as soon as I got home, um, I actually ordered Crisis of Conscience. But at the same time... That John expensive too, ain't it? Have... Huh? That John is expensive, ain't it? It was worth every penny, though. <laughs> how much how did you pay for it? How much you pay for it? I think I paid like 40 something, almost $50 for oh, it. I got the PDF. I said, <laughs> but go Oh, ahead. no, I got the book, baby, the heart coffee baby like take highlight um and simultaneously i actually started watching um leah remini's um scientology series and so i'm going through like maybe like by the second or third episode of watching her show and i'm like hold up i'm starting to put pieces together words together that like they use in scientology and i'm like holy shit this is like this is like jehovah's witnesses i'm like oh my god so that was the time like i i had this epiphany like oh my god i grew up in a cult Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, oh my gosh. This is not. And so I'm reading Christ of the Conscience and watching this. That's the day that like everything was just like, I'm never, ever, ever, ever going back. Really? So what, um, what was the thing that finally hit you? Like when you're reading the Christ of Conscience, what really hit you? For me, it was everything. But when they treated that Puerto Rican brother, everything. I think it was the Puerto Rican brother that had so many years, he had served to help so many people in the way they treated that Puerto Rican brother. I forgot his name, but I, I think it was the stories like that. It was not only Ray, it was the Puerto Rican brother. It was to me the difference of stuff where they would tell Africa one thing, they would tell America another, they would tell Mexico another. To me, it was the complete disdain and disregard for being truthful with the members of the organization about doctrine and things that literally like change people's lives. It affects how people live their lives. I just think it was everything in that book. It was just an utter disregard for for the people and for their lives. And like, okay, well, we're not going to tell them this because if we tell them this, then they're basically going to start to think for themselves. Or, you know, they're, it, it was just, everything was so calculated on how to control lives. And then when I saw what they did to, to friends, and like you said, the Puerto Rican brother, and then just even the nosiness of people's personal lives, you know, people, the snitch culture, it, it was just everything in that book just was like, I'm never going back mm-hmm. because this is not by God. This is not by Holy Spirit at all. This is men sitting in a boardroom making up rules and shit just so they can just, for the sake of doing so, mm-hmm. just to keep control over people in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was just absolutely done. Also at that time I had found out about the Australian Royal Commission and I had, I was a scholarship in 2017. And so I think ARC was like 2015, 2016. I had never heard of it. So the fact to me that this was happening so globally, and I'd never heard of it being in the hall, never heard any announcements, no, you know, um, no letters or anything. I was just like, 
oh my God. And so at the time, my sister actually caught me reading Crisis of Conscience. I was afraid because I thought she would think I was apostate, but she was uh, so on board. Um, and then when she found out about, I told her about the ARC, she was like, nope. Because I was letting, we were letting my niece still go with some of the friends in the hall. And she's like, she put a stop to that. She's like, Brooke is not going back, you know, whatever. So it was just, it was just crazy. Um, uh, that was just the eye, the, you know, the eye opening. And then I actually had to call my dad um, and apologize because I wrote him a letter about a year before I got the fellowship when I started going back. Cause my dad's been in this fellowship since I was about um, a teenager oh, okay. and yeah. And I was like, you know, basically that whole can't talk to you anymore unless it's a family emergency. I love you. Hope you come back to the Jehovah kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, my dad and I have had an odd relationship, you know, it's great now, but I had to apologize to him because I remember I saw him and I said, um, they're going to read me off tomorrow. And he didn't know what I meant. And then he called me like a week after, like the week after I got this fellowship. He was like, did you say what I said? I was like, yeah. And so we had a really good conversation. We talked about what I had said and been learning. And he said something so simple. He's like, it's really just about <laughs> your relationship with God. That's, that's it. And so between all of that, I was just like, yeah, not going back. And so I actually became very vocal on social media about that organization, what they did, what they do to people, um, et cetera, et cetera. Cause I, I just, I was fired up, man. <laughs> I was fired up. I was fired up. I binge watched Lloyd Evans for weeks, for weeks. Like I didn't sleep. I was reading everything um, that I could get my hands on about doctrine and teaching. And yeah, I, I just, I literally went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So you, so you, you left in seventeen. I left in fourteen. So again, again, like uh, people know, there's, there's generation. This is the double digit uh, millennial generation yeah. that's leaving. So as we round our way around third base here, because um, I want to have you back on for part two, um, I want to talk about. Yeah, we got it. This is not enough time. Oh boy, this is not enough time. <laughs> so guys, I want you to to hold tight. We're going to do a part two in the near future. Um, Jasmine, it was so nice to have you on. Um, I like to leave Thanks people in a cliffhanger. Oh, we're we going we gonna to record sometime later this week. We're going to do part two. But it was so nice. <laughs> Guys, thank you for coming on another episode. We're, we're just getting started with her. She's such a brilliant, kind, rich, um, intellectual person. And I always love talking to her. She has such a great spirit. And I think if you get opportunity to meet her in, in, in general, hopefully in a, wor- in a world where we can have an XJW meetup, um, it'll be fantastic. Yes. And, um, it'll be go from there. But the, the but guys, if you have a story as well, please send me um, some of your stuff. The email is going to be dtrhmcpod at gmail.com. Again, dtrhmcpod at gmail.com. It'll be in the link on iTunes, Spotify. Um, it'll be an Android uh, podcast. It's it's on all of them. So you can easily access the email and, and go from there. You can also follow the Instagram page as well. But um. Yeah, we're going to go. We're going to do part two. And I thank you guys for listening, uh, giving your time. And I look forward to being more expedient with episodes as well. But thank you so much, Jasmine, for coming on. I appreciate thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good night. All right. Part two, guys, coming soon.